Hi, and welcome to The Void, the show where I have an existential crisis in public. So I almost ordered a top hat this week, and I also read a really good book by, um, what's her name? Anna Wiener. It's called Uncanny Valley. If you're into Silicon Valley culture and the absurdity of it all, I would recommend this one. I came across a quote. I wanted to read it to you, like a kindergarten teacher. I would be a great kindergarten teacher. All your kids would be depressed within seconds. Anyway, out of self-protection, I stuck to the narrative that I was moving across the country just to try something new. San Francisco had a great music scene, I said unconvincingly to anyone who would listen. The startup gig was just a day job, I claimed. Something to support me while I was otherwise creatively productive. It was easier in any case to fabricate a romantic narrative than admit that I was ambitious, that I wanted my life to pick up momentum, go faster. So, I've been missing a bunch of teeth for at least a decade. This is going somewhere, I promise. Anyway, I'm, now I'm on this journey. I would call it a journey of self-improvement and growth, which I'm always on, but now I'm extra on it. So I'm finally getting them fixed this month. And you know, I wouldn't be me if I didn't ask myself why it took me so damn long. When I thought about it, I reflected on when I lost those teeth. I struggled a lot. And I think I subconsciously started to identify with the struggle. My teeth, or lack thereof, symbolize that in a twisted way. Because every time I look in the mirror, I don't just thank Jesus that I'm charming enough to have gotten away with missing teeth for this long. But it's also a reminder of my ability to survive. And it sounds deranged. I'm not saying any of this makes sense. I'm just talking you through the mental gymnastics that make someone ignore missing teeth for at least a decade. I struggled longer than I haven't. And if you're used to having to survive and adapting to weird circumstances, it can be almost terrifying to not have to anymore. That's why that quote spoke to me. Because it touches on something that people hardly acknowledge, which is the fear of succeeding. The fear of success. I'm serious. There can be real fear associated with doing well. What that looks like is different for everyone, of course. One person is scared of getting a promotion. Others are terrified to admit that they're ambitious in the first place. And for the next person, it's not wanting a full set of teeth because of weird psychobiographic reasons. The fear of success, which is a real thing, is also known as the Jonah complex. Why? Because fun fact, in the Bible, Jonah did whatever he could to wiggle his way out of doing a thing for God. I like that for him. At this point, you're probably wondering what kind of ding-dong fears success. And I understand why you think that way, but I'm sure that you will change your mind once you realize that the fear of success isn't so much about the success itself as it is about the consequences that success will have on their lives. And that's why people hamstring their own forward movement, their own growth, to prevent their lives from changing. People have a plethora of reasons for fearing success. Reasons that don't even sound that unreasonable. That's why people can go their entire lives fucking around thinking it's a choice they made. When in reality, anything driven by fear is not much of a choice now, is it? But okay, reasons. We fear success because we fear losing ourselves. We don't know how we're going to react to getting the thing we want. We don't know who we'll be when we've reached that goal. What if we're still not happy? Then we'd have to admit that our circumstances weren't the problem, but we were the problem, which is difficult. Because believe it or not, most people don't enjoy sitting in a chair talking about their flaws for an hour. We fear change. The truth about human nature is that we'd rather be uncomfortable somewhere familiar 
than risk being uncomfortable somewhere else. We all have that friend. Every time they talk about their partner, you're like, why are you with this person? Well, because it's easier than getting on the market again and dating assholes and being ghosted and dealing with people who don't give a fuck about you openly. Our current situation might not be perfect, but at least we know what to expect. We fear that being successful comes at the cost of other things we love doing in our lives. You know, if you really love going to raves and, uh, you know, you party from Friday till Monday, you're obviously not going to take a job that requires you to be in office a lot. It often leads to fucking around indefinitely because, you know, it's easier than taking on more responsibility for anything. So, yeah, you might be 40 living in an apartment with roommates, a beer throne and a skateboard mounted on the wall. But at least you don't have to run a household alone. And a lot of people fear social repercussions. It's also known as backlash avoidance. If doing something that is good for you means that you cannot be part of a group anymore, there are a lot of people who value being part of a group so much that they just reject the thing. For instance, if you're part of the fat positive community and you secretly want to lose a couple of pounds, you know that if you lose weight, you're going to lose the support of your community. They all sound reasonable enough, right? But in reality, they're either a manifestation of not feeling good enough in one capacity or another, or it's coping mechanisms gone absolutely berserk. That's why they're so shitty to deal with, because the same thing that protected us yesterday is holding us back today. You know, the thing with our coping mechanisms is that if you're not careful, if you use them when you don't need them anymore, they become quicksand. Ah yes, our childhood. The thing that makes or breaks us in more ways than one. And also parents, can I just say, you're either brave or completely full of yourself to believe that you can guide a child to the first phase of their life without them needing therapy in adulthood. But keep that energy, good for you. But like most of our problems, they originate from childhood. Say you came home with good grades and it was met with indifference. What it taught you is that working harder is not worth it. Or if the opposite happened, if you were teased for doing really well, what it teaches you is that achievement and success alienate you from the group. And even life experiences like being made to feel like you weren't good enough by an abusive partner or your mom low-key making you feel like everything is too difficult for you when she calls you or even family members who were really successful in one area but whose life fell apart in others. All of these things can skew your association with success. Also, anxiety and excitement feel exactly the same on a physiological level so there are a lot of people with anxiety disorders who avoid, often subconsciously, exciting situations. Because just like the fear of failure, the fear of success can be an extension of anxiety disorders. It's really tempting to think, okay, so a couple of whiny bitches don't want the corner office, who cares? Well, people with the fear of success often don't know that they have it. So they end up sabotaging themselves left and right, thinking that they are inherently broken when in fact they're either anxious, they suffer from anxiety without knowing it, or there are still unpacked childhood issues that they could work through. This is a type of fear that gets overlooked because it's something that we are all expected to want. And it's okay to not want it, but you have to make sure that it's not fear-driven. 
This fear can be responsible for pretty insidious self-destructive behavior. The obvious ones are drinking too much, accepting pills from strangers in the bathroom, telling yourself you're going to go home on time, only to end up waving glow sticks in a warehouse somewhere. The less obvious ones are overeating, overworking, overspending, accepting low-paying jobs, changing jobs a lot, changing fields a lot, self-generating stress by saying yes to things you know you can't handle right now, dating people you know will waste your time, not knowing where your money is going, not knowing where your life is going, accepting the fact that you haven't made goals and just want to go wherever the wind blows, and even procrastination, perfectionism, and denying yourself proper breaks are all subconscious ways to get in your own way. So it's safe to say it has actual consequences, boys. Consequences that seem small. The thing I think people get wrong is the idea that only the highlights and the lowlights of our lives shape us. And of course they have real influence, but our life happens in the smallness of every day, in the mundane, in the barely visible. All the behaviors I mentioned might seem small, but their consequences are cumulative. If you engage in these behaviors often, they do really have the power to change the trajectory of your life. Because like I said, it's the everyday where our life happens. The parts that we're not going to remember have the greatest impact on who we are. This is something that I think about a lot and I don't have scientific evidence for it because it's hard to quantify, but let's do a little thought experiment. Okay, so think about how long you've been alive. Now think about how many days you remember. I figured it has to be less than 1%. Here's how I came up with this number. On the day of this recording, I'm 11,846 days old. I can maybe remember 60 days of my life if I'm generous. That means I remember point 52% of my life, so not even 1%, 99.5% of my life is just gone with the wind. And of course false memories are a thing. This sounds completely counterintuitive, but the more you retrieve a memory, the less reliable it becomes. Every time you retrieve it, it becomes less precise to the point that it has nothing to do with the original moment anymore. So the things we do remember about our lives might not even have happened. Isn't that something? Moving on. I don't like how people talk about therapy. They act like it is the be all end all to solving your own issues, but it's not. I'm definitely not telling you not to get therapy because obviously a lot of people benefit from it. But I do encourage you to look for healthy ways to help yourself before you even go to your first session because you're not going to walk into that office and get fixed. Doing the work is still up to you. It's going to take a lot of soul searching, a lot of honestly looking at your life and asking yourself how much of it is an active choice. Do you really not care about living in that house, pursuing that relationship, getting that job, or are you scared to pursue it? Are you really a free soul who just does whatever and goes where the wind blows? Or do you feel like you're not good enough at anything? And are you seriously loving that complete lack of stability in your life? Or are you trying to avoid ever having something to lose? Admitting that you'd like to be a homeowner of a house with a backyard, that you actually want a career, that you would love a sweet partner, 
Admitting those things is terrifying because it's putting yourself at risk to fail and not setting goals and not trying anything specific and acting like that's what you want is a beautifully dysfunctional way to combat that. If you convince yourself that you want for nothing, then you can't fail. You don't have to deal with disappointment. The humanistic approach to psychology says that people have an inherent drive to self-actualize. And of course, there are conditions attached to it. We've all seen Maslow's pyramid. We have to make sure our basic needs are met before we can grow as people, because obviously you're not going to be analytical about your life if you're trying to feed your children. And that's why I think philosophy is a privilege, because it means that your basic needs are met to at least some degree, or else you wouldn't have the mental space to calculate how many days of your life you remember. But according to humanism, once those basic needs are met, we have no choice but to seek out ways to better ourselves or to maximize our well-being. You could even argue that it's not natural to not pursue your own growth when your basic needs are met. We would not be here as a species if the first people did this. We would not have gone from tetrapods to people who send each other hedgehog videos. It takes a whole lot of self-awareness to even realize, to even see that you're sabotaging yourself. It comes down to being able to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, am I robbing myself of the ability to live my full potential? What coping mechanism of mine has turned into quicksand? And am I okay with it? And look, I'm not preaching. I'm not trying to preach because who am I? <laughs> There's this old philosopher called Wittgenstein. He wrote his only book while being a war prisoner. And he says that the I refers to nothing because there is nothing. There is no self. So definitely don't let someone whose entire existence can be brought into question tell you how to live. By the way, Wittgenstein is an interesting one. He wrote a book, it's called Tractatus Logico-Philosophicus. And if you want to read a book that has metaphysical theory that is so dense and so complex that it makes your eyes water, definitely read it. It's horrendous. Also, just to get back to the whole preaching thing, just know that every one of these podcast episodes is based on something that's going on in my life or something that I'm preoccupied with. My whole shtick is for us to bond over this human experience because it's not an autonomous one. So I just want you to know that I'm right there with you. I've been through this mess. But as soon as I noticed it, I put my foot down and I was like, I've had enough of my own bullshit. At some point, you just have to be done with your own nonsense. So instead of having my energy be all over the place as a way to distract myself from the fact that for the longest time I didn't make any concrete plans, I've been more introspective than usual and I've been focusing on what I want my life to look like, the relationships I want, where I want to live, how I would feel if I'd still live in this apartment in five years, how I want to spend my time, who I want to spend my time with, whether I want children in my life, if I want to bring forth a human that's definitely going to need therapy at some point. But regardless of whether I give birth or not, there's this old psychology professor called Erich Fromm, and he said, Man's main task is to give birth to himself. So I guess you could say the only birth I'm interested in facilitating right now is my own. I'm just now in the process of dotting my I's and crossing my T's, polishing the edges of my existence, if you will. And I'm finally ready to get my teeth fixed. Because I'm no longer the girl I was when I lost them.
I'm thankful that I experienced her. But she can go now. And instead I want to focus all my energy on the woman I am today. I've been cooking again, which doesn't sound like a big deal, but my stove was unused for two years. I'm finally getting physical therapy for the pinched nerve in my shoulder, all while remedying the pinched nerve in my soul. My administration is in order. I'm sleeping on time. I'm really doing the work to make sure that I have a life that I'm proud to live. You know, I realized that growing up is not something that just happens by mere virtue of the passing of time. Growing up is a choice. And I decided to grow up. I've decided to focus my energy on a few things that serve me in the long run instead of all the things that serve me now. After years of struggle, I can wholeheartedly say that I embrace doing well. I deserve a beautiful smile and a full night's sleep and a nutritious meal and peace and safety and fulfilling relationships. A functioning fridge. A man who's obsessed with me. I deserve success. And so do you. And that was my take on the fear of success. It's important for people who come from nothing to one day decide I deserve to do well. Let go. Focus on you. And make sure that you have a life that you're proud of. That's all you have to do. Birth yourself. It was a lot. This one was intense. Thank you. I really appreciate you spending your time with me. You know, I'm always surprised that more people than my friends watch this because I kind of assume that only my friends watch this, but then I get DMs from people that I don't know. And I'm like, wow, strangers also watch this. That's amazing. <laughs> and just a little thing I want to leave you with that you can think about. What is your equivalent of missing teeth? A symbol you're still toting around because it says something about who you once were, even though it says nothing about who you are today. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, to my friends and strangers, thank you. And um, see you in the next one. Bye.